Welcome to the Detroit Joe Podcast. Today, we will again look back into our city's past to understand what is going on in the present. Many of you didn't notice, but several years ago, probably when the school district was going through one emergency manager after another, that Dr. Ethelene Crockett's name was taken off the Science and Medical High School and replaced with Ben Carson's name. This is a man who has never practiced medicine in Detroit. Yes, he went to school in this city, but that's it. Ethelene Crockett was the first black woman specializing in OBGYN in Detroit. She brought many black babies in the world until her retirement, but had a daughter who took up her love and need to help all women in the field. Her daughter, Dr. Ethelene Crockett Jr., became my doctor. The Crockett family was committed to good health care and civil rights in our city. George Crockett Sr., activist, civil rights lawyer, and outstanding judge was her husband. George Jr. became a lawyer and a judge like his father. The Crockett's made the city better for all of us. So how could anyone think Ethelene Crockett's name should be replaced with Ben Carson's? Yes, we know Ben Carson loves Trump as he once followed him around like a puppy at the dog park. But no, take his name off the schoolhouse. And next is Gerard Finney. I guess we were so happy for a new school that we didn't notice that East English Village Preparatory Academy was really the new Finney High School. Many, like myself, didn't know the history behind the name Gerard Finley. The gentleman was an abolitionist who helped slaves to escape over to Canada. Reading his history, Finney had to be one of the most daring abolitionists in America. Why take his name off the schoolhouse? He should be studied in our schools. Many of us have been trying hard to get Crockett and Finney's name replaced on the two schools. What we need is the public's help. The school board has the power. And speaking of the school board, what can we say about them? What do they really do to make the school system better? I can only think of one thing. They hired a good superintendent. That I thank them for. But what else? I must be honest and say that I might be biased. For as a teacher, I never met a school board that I've liked. They are so disconnected to the teaching staff. Today we have Richard Clement as our guest. He is running for school board. He is an activist, which is normal for a Mumford High School graduate. 
and he's one of the many Clement boys from the West Side. He will share his knowledge and future for Detroit Public Schools. Once again, think of this as a conversation between two people who want to see their city school system do well, a system where they graduated from. Richard Clement, I welcome you to the Detroit Joe podcast. Thank you for that uh, introduction. Wow. Yeah, I am one of the Clement boys from the West Side. Like I said, it was uh, six of us all together, and uh, we just lost one of us um, recently. But yes, I am running for the Detroit Public School Board, and one of the reasons I am running is to uh, basically make people aware of what the school board can do, including restoring our history with the school property. Like I said, I've been a uh, teacher, retired teacher in uh, school districts in Lansing and uh, serving as a sub in like Westland and for these privates, uh, privatized uh, sub company. That PESG that went out of business because they privatized the sub. And, I, and during that position, I was able to see school districts that were haves and have nots and the differences striking. I mentioned Bubble, uh, what's that, Ben Harris and J. Red Finney. And I also want to throw in there Benjamin O. Davis. Uh, that's another person that was removed from the history and the legacy of our uh, city. Now, Schools in the neighborhood, you know, they bring us a community together because they they keep a legacy. Uh, With the school for profit concept is basically destroyed the intimacy of a neighborhood. And with the residency laws that allow teachers to live outside the city and it goes for firefighters and first responders, you lose that sense of uh, belonging in the community. Now, to restore these names, not only the names, but the programs and enhance them. There is a procedure in the Detroit Public School Community District that allows you to do that. Uh, It's public procedure 7250, where you would have to get 51% of the alumni to agree, or you'd get a a motion by the board to rename. And when you do that, you you do a, a date, certain date, you know, change the name by this date, and put programs in it that would actually reflect Detroit. I mean, would help our kids, especially in this city. We, we got a big literacy problem and uh, stressing reading is super, super important and reaching out to the kids. And we got that chronic absenteeism. But, you know, we as a people, we gone to a new age of this smartphones. OK. And one of my proposals was to use those smartphones to track the kids. Your chronic absentee, you're not in school, what you're doing? Where are you? Okay. It's places we don't want you to be, but if you're under age, you got to go to school. You got to either do something or be something or don't be a part of the problem, be a part of the solution. And being on that school board, you can set policy of, hey, our black kids can't swim. That's public safety. I mean, along with arms and all of that. I mean, if this is emergency, basically, we want to correct the damage of creative accounting and just outright blatant racism when they took these names and things off the school was to 
driving into a for-profit uh, situation. Why do you think it was so important that they take off Ethelene Crockett's name and also Finney's name? Well, basically, they wanted to put in a new world order. They wanted to shape a younger generation and, and, and make them forget about them, those people, you know, those contributions. And Dr. Crockett, especially the family, has done a lot for the city of Detroit. I mean, they gave back. It's all of, it was never about money. For, it wasn't for profit with them. OK, it was more about public service. And you look at all the people that they influenced and had an impact on. It was none but a positive impact. Whereas now you got somebody that was just put there and somebody else like Jared Finn was just wiped off the face of the map. And then you want to, quote, tear the building down so you can't come back there. You know, so basically you just when you tear down the building, you tear down the neighborhood, too, because remember, schools were built on neighborhoods. Yes, they were. They were built on blocks and. You know, nobody should have to have a student to go all the way to the east or west side of the city for one specific program. That's when we had the regionals and you know, we had district five regions, school regions within the city. And you would, you know, develop programs that where people could walk along with your libraries. So to restore those neighborhoods, restore the city, to restore neighborhood values, you got to have a school that's walkable. Right. Okay, And that's how we got a lot of our information, because the neighborhood was a little small village. All the parents knew you. Uh, They would look out for you and that the teachers had taught maybe your brother and your sister and in many cases, even your, you know, parents. But the question that I have is, what is the school board doing? What is their purpose? Well. Their purpose is to manage the operations and the the direction of the school, maybe like a 30 year plan or whatever. But what are they doing now regarding name changing is they're, I would say, shucking and jibo. We got a lot more important things to cover and kind of blow it off. But if you elect me to the school board, that'll be one of my first priorities with uh, Dr. Vitti and likewise board members to actually restore our history. Before the pandemic, I sent three letters to each school board member, not one response. A friend of mine said, why don't you send one to Dr. Vitti? He answered me maybe in within 12 hours. And he said that is something that they are working on. And I told him that I would like to be on that board that would help to rename our, you know, schools. But I think about the uh, school board and like I said, I've never met a school board that I have liked. They have never really reached out to that, the teachers and said, okay, what do you all need? It was the school board and they were from a distance. And then we had our superintendent. And if we had a good one, great. But if we had a bad one, it was absolutely horrible. I am happy with Dr. Vitti. He has put together a real good staff. As I read some of the things that Dr. Vitti's doing, it did line up with a lot of things that you also believe in. So if he could have a person on that school board or persons on that school board that believe in what he's doing, 
we could get something done. Because right now, like I said, I don't care for any school board. Why would a young person go into teaching and have a lot of student loans, take on a job where there is abuse, and make pennies when they could go to another school district and make a decent living? Well, you know, living in you know urban school districts has always been underfunded, under-resourced. And for a young person that would want to come into the school district, especially Detroit, with student loans and, and everything, I would, uh, if I'm elected, I would look at paying off the school loan at, what, 10000 a year up to five years and look for cancellation because after five years, if you do teach in a, a quote, urban area, uh, your loans are forgiven. That's what they used to do. Right. When I came into the system, I had student loans and I had the bank loans. Some of the student loans were somehow connected to the federal government. And every year that I worked, they would wipe it out. So that's how you were able to get more men into the school district, too. Because usually that a man has a family and he can't feed his family on that teaching salary. It is very hard. Back in the day, there were some of us who were called to teach. So we took that hit financially, got a second job and just, you know, continued on. And then I would look at other districts like in New York, in upstate, that those teachers were they were being paid. And I think that if we pay teachers more, you'd have more. You would go back to having those highly qualified teachers and teachers that are licensed. Right. I agree. Especially if you're working in a school district like a Detroit or urban area, you got to get some type of incentive if you stay in the city in the neighborhood the school is in. You know, like maybe uh, a 10% break on your property tax or something like that. Some type of incentives to be in the city. And, um, you know, you get maybe a tax credit because teachers are buying their own equipment. I mean, they give in, in the private industry for profit. They give incentive bonuses. They give commissions and all that other things. Why not teachers? Right. Why not teachers? So, I mean, there's a lot of creative way to get more teachers, you know, with content, too. I mean, you can't you only way you're going to succeed if you learn how to read. OK. And on the school board, you can make policy to and you got to do something with Lansing, which we have to undo the damage at that oh, level, too. That's where it is, because what they've done in those 10 years from 2010 to 2020, they passed more laws. They rammed through more laws. Let's put it like that to loot the assets of our city. So hurry to privatize and chuck it off to a, a charter company where the people do not have a vote over their public funds going to a private business. You know, you can't fire the management company, but you can always vote on a school board. So you got to undo a lot of the damage that has been done with the creative financing, allocation of resources. I mean, not only for teachers, but uh, staffs and programs, even in the athletics or we got this drowning rate with kids didn't even know how to swim. That's public safety. And it once was when you were in junior high school, 
you learned how to swim. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden, the pools were closed. I know that over at Miller, the pool was closed. They said that they didn't have a teacher. Uh, Butzel used to have a pool. And all of a sudden, the pools are closed. And they have 101 reasons why. And I guess a lot of it had to do with um, paying insurance. Well, insurance and maintenance and stuff. But still, I mean, by middle school, you should learn how to swim. It should be mandatory. I mean, I mean, if you want to keep a safe community, because beside gun deaths and violence, drowning. We lose a lot of kids that way. And another thing it will do, I mean, sometimes it open up careers like um, my late brother Walter. We learned how to swim in the Detroit Recreation Department, Detroit Public Schools. And, and he went on to be a scuba diver. And a lot of his friends, they still Black Scuba Divers Association and opening up the jobs and opportunity and staying healthy. You know, we, we lose that when we micromanage the school, we privatize, worry about standardized testing. Um, we, we fill up these classrooms, we tear down, I mean, why do we need our public funds funding five or six high schools in the same neighborhood? You know, think about it, if you was on fixed income. You know, I don't think that people really realize this, but Betsy DeVos, she and her group are doing everything that they can to really kill public schools. They're trying to privatize Every single thing. I feel that there is a war on public schools so they can be able to control us. It's not only a war, but it's just a money grab. I'll give you a great example. The West Michigan Aviation Academy over in Grand Rapids, right, is an aviation charter school built on the same model that we had at Benjamin O. Davis. And when DeVos came in there, they shut the school down, moved the school off the airport grounds to Jefferson, where they are. They lost the FAA certification program because it wasn't on campus, whereas on Grand Rapids, not only is the school part of the international airport, it's right there. They got their own runway. It's a for-profit charter school. And uh, you look in there and the minority population at that school is just next to nothing. And it's for-profit. It's for-profit. We had something free. You know, you you shut it down. And then in that school, they had partnerships with airlines, you know, uh, Delta and uh, some of the aircraft manufacturers and stuff, because there's a shortage of pilots. Now, our kids got talent. I mean, you, the way they use the smartphones and if you could show it, I mean, you got 13 year olds even driving, which I don't condone, but they figured out how to drive the car. So they got talent. They got the brain. So it's up to us as adults to try to shape them into careers and futures that was going to give back to the community and improve the quality of life. And that's probably one of the reasons I am running, because, I mean, we got to wake up and shake up the board, you know, and if you want to, I mean, the name off. And I mean, if I ran a McDonald's like these emergency managers did, I would lose the franchise, get fired in probably nine months. Absolutely. Okay. Mismanagement. Is that what it was? But um, that's exactly was a, a snatch and grab program by Betsy Get Lost of Us, you know, tearing down schools so you'd have to go to the charter. Then the charter, like in Highland Park, they tore down the school because it was unprofitable. 
Every city should have a school. Every city should have their own school system. It's okay for like Hamtramck and everybody. I mean, you took out Inkster and you took out Highland Park, put them in debt with creative accounting by passing laws to make them look broke. Now, DPSCD's got three separate schools. We got a community district school. We got a debt district account. And we have another one which I can't think of. But, you know, all it was a big shell game of creative accounting. When you come in there with the EAA and all the rest of them, they haven't done it. I mean, look at the result. The scores are still the same. But like I say, the pandemic came through, made it even worse, but exposed a lot of things about working at home. And everybody was at home then, right? So now we kids back in school, you know, we got these smartphones and these, you could track them. I mean, they got a unit now that goes looking for kids. And another thing, we want to get kids, we got to bust them from out of districts into Detroit. If they're going to go, I mean, toe to toe for children and on the school board, you know, hey, adult ed, learn how to fly. We need to go back to adult ed. Adult ed. Oh, yeah. One of our um, Republican governors wiped out adult ed. And that was the worst thing that he could have done because that was the second chance for a lot of families. Absolutely. I mean, they got adult ed like everybody. Oh, they need truck drivers. Oh, now we need pilots. And it got so bad now that a lot of the airlines are having their own program. They're training some of anybody to fly a plane. They can't even get them from the military. And if you look at that, it's a, it's a threat to national security when it comes to our kids, because if you dumb down the school system and sabotage it, you know, you have these guys now, they're supposed to be protecting your country and uh, they can't do it because they have been taught. You know, you also mentioned about uh, poll watchers or poll workers and that some of our high school students, our seniors, they could do that job or at least be trained for it so that when they become 18, that they could be poll watchers. Poll watchers and register to vote. Because if you're going to be 18 on November 8th, you could register right now and vote. Yes, you can. I mean, especially you young people out there, 18, 19, and thinking that your vote don't count. I mean, with poll watching, I mean, poll watching, I'll give a shout out to Janice Winfrey. She does get kids in there to work the computers because, you know, a lot of the poll book operators, you know, a lot of cats aren't really computer literate. And some of the kids are like so I work as a precinct chairperson and I watch them and, you know, they're kind of adept. There's opportunities there. And then it could be with civics, too, because a lot of them don't participate in the government and the government ended up participating in them. You know, there was a time when I was going to school and you also, that in order to graduate, you had to have civics. Have they taken that out or something? They've taken it out. That's why, I mean, you went from civics and people understanding what parts of the government are, what they do, to QAnon. I mean, these guys here now, I mean, you're relying on everything on YouTube and rumor where you don't sit down and take the time to read to get a basis for your thoughts, you know, information manipulation is, is rampant. Well, we had a president that didn't know basic civics. Oh, of course. He had he had a lot of help, too. We, 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 he had James Comey with a letter. He had the Russians and WikiLeaks. He, I mean, this whole thing with information warfare is global where you have people maybe 
offshore in Venezuela or someplace making these videos and shipping them back through the Internet. And all of a sudden, they become a uh, campaign hit piece. OK, I mean, the money that they're putting out for ads to influence your vote is astounding. Somebody was telling about a race in, in kind of twenty seven million dollars for a state Senate race. And so with the school board, they don't even have a salary that was taken away by the emergency manager in the previous administration before Whitmer. OK, mm-hmm. and part of England, because, you know, they took part of the, they, the school boards. We used to have 12 people on the school board. They came in under the roots of all oh, the kids aren't learning. So we cut down the members of the school board from 12 to 7 and stagger the term so they can't run all at the same time. You don't have a primary. So they they really sabotage the school board at the expense of private management companies and these charters that you can't vote on. You know, I wonder how many parents really understand what the charters do. Because I see a lot of them that have put their kids in the chartered schools. And then the next thing you know that the chartered school has closed or the parent is pulling them out. When I was teaching, I hated to see kids come in from the chartered schools unless they were a high schooler. But when they were middle schoolers and they would, you know, come in from the charters, I said, oh, Lord, first of all, they haven't learned all that they should have. And that means there was a discipline problem. Anytime that a charter school puts out a child, you know that the child has some serious problems. And I think that if parents realize that when you put your child into a charter, you're pulling your funds and our funds to a private company. And Betsy DeVos is doing her thing. She and her family, they will not be happy until they have the public school system. Well, yeah, they're looking at each kid, you know, is what, 95 grand per kid. And if you could get the child a special ed kid, you get an additional $2,000 for the special ed. So when you go to some of these school of choice schools, like they'll run out there to Westland and Warren and someplace like that, but they live in Detroit. Yeah, you're pulling the funds out of the city, but you get up there at some time. Hey, they don't really give a dog about your kid. All the only thing they really wanted you for was for the athletics and uh, maybe, you know, scholarship money type. Oh, we got smart kids, you know, and maybe your kid, you know, you just want to bury your kid among statistics in the, at the other school. But really, you're in a neighborhood that, hey, they don't really care about you. I mean, if you can score a touchdown, take easy classes and, you know, help them on the field. Yeah, that's great. But other than that, you know. I mean, you in areas where they really don't want you out there, but you're there. Um, but I do notice that during to the census thing, right, that the city has moved north of eight miles far as diverse African-Americans and everything else. There is a shift. There is a shift there, you know. And so that's where you got the redistricting lines. But still, uh, when you had neighborhood schools, when you had your police and fire living in the neighborhood, like the mental health thing, you know, if the cop lived in it, maybe he would have knew the guy and said, hey, you know, maybe I would do the macho man and take the knife. But, you know, you, you quick to shoot or whatever. And, you know, it's a, it's a touchy call because, you know, because of them releasing all the nuts. My brother Walter, man, he got, was the first one to get shot in the line of duty behind that. So the repercussions of priorities and budgets. 
You know, when you start budgeting for mental health, when you start budgeting for teachers' um, salary, including paying off student loans and better health care choices, you know, it's all in your butt. And you need control of that. You need the control to say, hey, hey, you see all these uh, cannabis companies all in the city, right? If you have recreational weeds, 28 grand per license, right? So if you're getting 28 grand per license plus revenue, where do you want to put that? I want to put that in rec centers. You as the people have to dictate where you want your money to go. Okay. And that's what a school board, but they'll say, hey, I need more money in special ed and arts, maybe more teachers. You know, you can't work one teacher to death, you know, in, in a classroom full of 40 kids. That's just brutal. Yeah, but that's what they're doing because it's such a shortage of teachers. And, and the sub, and you see these guys with the book banners, I would be willing to bet you that none of them's ever been in the library. And the only people that are coming to sub are people that like need jobs or just need something to do. Or, you know, I mean, they hate the drag queens for coming to class and substitute teaching, but hey, who else is coming? Okay? By looking at them, you ain't going to turn gay and you know it's all on the parent but it's a substitute teacher shortage and you worried about a book i mean sometimes a book don't need to be there but book banning never worked and it's crazy right it's just crazy and some of the book banning people like judy bloom i mean she's a well-known author but they are just banning so many 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 right, books right and all that does is Dummy down your child for when that they go to college and they don't have the information. And there's certain certain things that our children should know if they're going to go to college. There's certain writers that they need to know when they hit that freshman English classroom. And, you know, you're going to be in a society with different people and you have to learn different points of view, different religions. And that's why you have public school, because you took all the religions you took all backgrounds and you shaped them into the people that they are now because you learn each other's experience and why you on this planet and how you going to make it better. You know, that's what that was about. Part of being on the school board would be to influence, bring that about. You know, you got to watch the smoke screen. It's a smoke screen. Oh, I don't like that. But you got other books. But you now you're coming in. Hey, let's be a fascist. It's unintended consequences. And. What you can't get on a bookshelf, you can get off the Internet. Like I said, I've seen these children, little as but four or five years old, operate one of those tablets better than a lot of these adults. So information content, I mean, you really, I mean, blocking it is more monitoring it. And it's teaching the kid values, teaching your child values that, hey, you don't harm people. You want to treat them the same. Keep your hands off people and. I almost wondering how are you going to ban books like a uh, author like Jacqueline Woodson is in the textbooks. How are you going to ban her? Are you going to say, well, we're going to get rid of the textbook or that the textbook is going to have to make, you know, changes. Jacqueline Woodson is not only good for black kids to read about themselves. It gives white kids a chance to learn about what black life is also like. And how it's so much different from the lifestyle they are living. Yeah, not only black kids, but all the kids. You know, you should learn about each other's background and why you got on this planet. And, you know, what 
where, where policy have failed people like, you know, black folks and even Jews, all of them, they failed them, you know, and you got these people that with these narrow-minded, bigot ideas that can't accept a person for who they are and what they do. And if they ain't messing with you, don't mess with them. You know, that's one thing that I'll give the school board credit for, too, is that they don't step in and try to ban books, you know, but I know that they are coming for us. Not the school board, but someone will. Basically, it's a political, you look at the ideology behind it, who's behind the book, what are their values, you know? Are we going to use our religious rules against someone else? Hey, maybe you're Rastafarian. What you going to do with that kid um, or things like that? It just ain't going to work. And like I said, you go to somebody else like a child and they, and they could put you in to keep you the count day and then they send you back to the district or send you out. Or It's just a big money game. And what we really want to do is get Wall Street and that business crowd out of education. Exactly. They have no business treating our kids like stock chips and stuff like that. Children are not numbers and they got certain data points, but at a point in time, it's not all about uh, quantitative, you know, it's about what the quality and the quality, their mindset. You know, I've taught people that would probably fail every standardized test going, you know, or maybe they even probably have to take it twice, but you put a car engine in front of them, boy, they just boom, 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 and you got a shortage of mechanics and plumbers and things like that, you know, and financial literacy too, you know, teach them, hey, you can't buy the $400 gym shoe when you ain't working. Exactly. You know, I mean, bling and bling and put like you drive a new car, you got a t- depreciation, accounting and stuff like that. I mean, a lot of these children now got Cash App, right? And even Bitcoin and, you know, you like financial savvy. You can buy the dog on stock right there, you know, teach them, you know, how to invest. And y'all should save 10% of your salary for future. And and that's what we need to teach them how, you know, you look at what that you have and you work with it. And some things just are not for you. And then, of course, we have this thing called, you know, TV and kids do not know the difference between reality and, you know, what is fantasy. Of course. I mean, that's hard, too. That leads to a lot of the craziness with the mental illness, because you could sit up there and play them games all day. And I mean, you become the game. You become the game. And some days, you know, you might have to turn the Internet off and say, go out there and get some air and figure out something, you know. Yeah. You might have to do that. I mean, working at home is nice. At school is okay, But like I say, pretty soon you got to get you got to get out the house. And there's no I mean, a healthy, able bodied person should not have to sit around the house. I mean, especially your child and. You know, we got a health problem now and sitting around and eating and, you know, your health, diabetes and all that other stuff. And there's a lot of ways that we can. That's a public safety issue, too. Yes, I was uh, noticing that Dr. Vitti really believes in after school programs. And I have worked many of them and they were excellent. You know, children love it. They would get out of school at around three and the after school class would start it gave us the opportunity to, number one, feed them. So we know that the child has had breakfast. We have given them lunch. Now we're giving them another meal. So that helps 
an awful lot. It also helps that the uh, child that maybe had trouble learning when he was in his classroom with 35 kids, now he's in in a classroom with only 15 and he's able to learn because a teacher can give him special help. It gives a teacher a second or third chance to reteach that lesson in order for that child to, you know, get it. And speaking to that point, I know developing partnerships with a lot of these guys and corporate America. You know, you got a lot of people that go to work in these cubicles are just totally frustrated and, you know, corporate dead in America. And you could actually save the kids from the craziness. Because if you, if you, for instance, like after school programs, um, Cyrene at golf and I mean, it's the things to keep them after school. And, you know, there's some parents that wouldn't mind because they work and they need something for them to do while they're at work or something. And from teaching things from carpentry to clothes making, making your own clothes and growing and things like that. And children love that. If you remember, Rich, back at Hampton, if you were in the band, you came to school before school started and we all showed up. And Hampton had a huge band, and we had a very, very good band. If you have the program, children will come. Music, especially in Detroit. Man, we're the Motown sound, and a lot of those teachers that we had were part-time gigging at Motown. Yes, they were. My principal was. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, everybody think they can be a pro athlete, but very, very, I mean, the numbers are against you. But music. Oh, that, I mean, for me personally, saved my butt in school and actually got me through college, you know. But yeah, I mean, from elementary school to high school, like I said, I didn't get into the band until my 10th grade of uh, 11th grade of uh, high school, Mumford. Got Mr. Grasty. He was gigging with uh, this guy named uh, Aus, Will Austin that played for Duke Ellington. And, you know, the music programs, I mean, music. Come on. I mean, it does a lot. Of, I mean, that stops a lot of the craziness. I mean, they came, we came to school before school. We came some after school. If you wanted to play in a little some gig music and learn how to play piano. And oh, yeah, those type of programs you really, really want to get involved with. You know, I mean, Lifelong Plus, they help you in the other classes, too. They really did. Um, they really, really did. We had uh, like, I mean, chess clubs and all that. And I mean, we got some talented kids. I mean, we could give them something to do and then they won't be tearing up stuff all the time. You know, I mean, even like an intern. I mean, we don't have paper routes anymore back in the day. But, you know, something that maybe could make a little money on the side. You know, I know they're working at the burger joints and all a place like that. But still, you know, entrepreneurship and. I think we could save our school system by, like I say, restoring assets, I mean, funding, because problem we have now is that they put a district in debt and buried it up by putting it in another account, but you're still in debt and you're paying that debt plus the new debt. I mean, something's got to give. Yes. Something's yes. got to, and we've got to come from Lansing by putting in these legislators that would actually Write laws because part of civics, a law starts off as a bill. Right. I'm only a bill. And then there's some bills that they ram through like with immediate effect. Okay. 
and there's some that they could drag and never see a hearing and never make it. But like I say, with some of these bills that we need to introduce the laws to get for immediate effect would be, hey, teacher compensation, laws that would allow teachers to live in the city, would get tax breaks and stuff like that, paying off loans. Right now they're doing charters by need. Okay, I don't, if you don't need a charter in the area, why should my public school dollars, my tax dollars fund 20 schools within a neighbor? And they're all in the city. Mm-hmm. They're all, and then, like I said, they, you got to get transport, you got to pay for the transportation. And if they're not making the money, they do you like Highland Park. We'll tear it down. Screw the people there, you know. Yeah, we'll wipe out your history. You never played here, but uh, it got to go. And then they want to bust you out the wall lake or something like that. That's that's I mean, it's almost like a slow moving genocide. It is. It is. What are some of your other visions that you would like to see? Uh, especially the reinvestment in the Detroit City Airport, because if you got money coming out of that and it's part of a school, like for every dollar you put in, you get something like eighty, ninety dollars back from the federal government, you know, for aviation programs. The school and industry could really put money back in here and probably could even pay off pensions with landing fees and you know, you flying right out of Detroit to some place like uh Vegas. I mean, anywhere shorter, midway, right in the middle of the city. You right there, I mean, that type of thing. Responding, even with that, you invest in first responder programs because you have firefighters that need to learn how to put out airline fires. Uh, first responders at home security, home, homeland security, uh, helicopters, you know. you know. You got this guy running for Congress up there and this John James helicopter power. How come he ain't teaching kids how to fly a helicopter, you know? Exactly. <laughs> you know, come on, man. And, you know, that and teachers, you know, reinvesting, paying off the student loans. I would like to see it get back to neighborhood schools somehow because that's how you built a city, one block at a time, and including that block was a school. I often speak about Miller, where I taught for many, many years, and we had a good neighborhood. Parents trusted most of the teachers and that the principal. The principal wasn't afraid to walk into the King homes because he knew people. It was a family. If you have a neighborhood school, you have a big family. Exactly. And that's where the learning process also takes place. Well, Walt, uh, I I called you Walter. Ooh, that's okay. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> you know, um, listeners at the Clements, they look so much alike. And we think of Walter because we just recently lost him. He was a hell of a um, hell of a policeman, a hell of a person. And he was in my class, whereas Richard, you were behind me. Yeah. And then Norman was ahead of me and John was ahead. But we all played music. I guess that's how our families got to know each other. Well, I want to thank you for, you know, coming. And I want you to realize that you're always welcome. Thank you. And uh, there's information that we have got to get out to the public. Because when you look at the vote recently and a fact that there's not going to be a black person 
in Washington that's going to represent us, the city. That's sad. So we need to get the message out. We need to vote. One of the reasons why Lansing is kicking our butts is because we didn't put people in. You know, it's so easy to look at everyone else and, you know, blame them. But we have got to get out and vote. Whenever there is a, you know, election, get on out there. So thank you for, you know, coming. And as I said, please come back because this is a podcast for the people. And now for my two cents. Why is black history being taken away from us? They took our neighborhoods, such as Paradise Valley, and now they're removing historic names related to black folks. What is next? I do feel that learning about black history in our classrooms is pretty much safe due to our good teachers and our curriculum. As long as the teachers, Dr. Vitti, and the school board stand strong, we will be able to fight Lansing on our curriculum because you know that they coming after us. This is no time to look weak, Detroit. Stay strong, protect your schools, and vote from the bottom up. That's just my two cents. This is Detroit Joe signing off. Whatever you do, walk in love and peace.